Pope Francis has repeatedly said that the kerygma is the most important message that needs to be preached time after time and time. So what's the kerygma? It really means the good news. It's the proclamation of the gospel. Curtis Martin from Focus, he says, I summarize the kerygma with three simple points. There's good news, there's bad news, and there's better news. The good news is God loves you and he has a great plan for your life. The bad news is we're sinners and that sin has caused separation between us and God and we alone cannot bridge that gap. We can't save ourselves. The better news is Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us and to bridge the gap between us and God, giving us the opportunity for everlasting life. Good news, bad news, better news. So how does that relate to this Good Friday? As I was praying with that, I thought of a, a few different things. The first of all, the good news that God loves you. If you take time just reflecting on that crucifix, it has to be a message that comes through that God loves you that much. I remember as a 14-year-old freshman at Providence Catholic High School, never read the Bible before. I'd only seen some of the Jesus movies on TV. But at the recommendation of Sister Margaret Ann, I began reading the Gospel of Matthew. And when I got to this part about Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world, and not just in general, but for my sins, I had to think, if God loves me that much, I'm all in. I had no idea where that would lead. But I began to know and understand the depth of God's love for me. And to know that Jesus did this willingly. Jesus says in scripture, nobody takes my life, I lay it down willingly. He did that with his full will engaged. We know that in the Garden of Gethsemane that he sweated blood. That he knew the pain that was coming, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. And what's important in a few different points in Scripture, you know, they were ready to throw Jesus off the cliff, and it says he passed through their midst. In other words, Jesus, it wasn't his time, and he was in control. And he knew when it was his time, now is the time to lay down my life willingly. I always joke with you all, but I think it's something to ponder. You know, would anybody be willing to give their lives? to bet their lives that the Cubs will win the World Series this year, or the Cincinnati Reds for uh, Bishop Conlon. I hope it happens, but I certainly wouldn't bet my life. But there are martyrs from the time of Christ to now who have given their lives because they're convinced that this is absolutely true, that Jesus died and, of course, he rose from the dead. It also shows that God's in solidarity with us. Nothing that we experience can we say, Jesus doesn't understand me, except in what? In sin. Jesus was tempted. He experienced the death of loved ones like his father Joseph and his great friend Lazarus. He experienced sadness as he wept over Jerusalem. He slept, he ate. He drank, he had friends, he was betrayed by a friend, he was denied by a friend, he was abandoned by many of his friends. And so our God is showing us through this passion 
that he's one with us. You know, and the evil one wants to make us believe the lie that we're alone, that we're abandoned, that God has forgotten you. Return to the cross. Think about Jesus on that crucifix. Does that look like abandonment? Does that look like I've forgotten you? Quite the contrary. And so when we ponder this mystery of Jesus' passion and death, we have to think about his love for us. And he wants us to grow in the confidence that he did that for me and for you. Not for humanity in general, but for us in a particular way. In theology, they they have this phrase that's called the scandal of particularity. It's scandalous in the sense that God loves you in a very particular and personal way. So go to him with your problems. Go Go to him with all of your needs because he understands. In Curcio, we have a phrase that says, Jesus and I are an overwhelming majority. He's God. And if we yoke ourselves to him, all things are possible. And so that's the good news, that God loves you. He's one with you. He has a great plan for your life. What's the bad news? We're sinners. Sin separates us from God. And the bad news is, if you look at that crucifix, that's how ugly our sin is. That God had to go to that depth of dying on the cross, the worst possible death there was at the time, in order to redeem us from our sins. I want to encourage us this Good Friday to pray for the grace to hate your sins. Have you ever done that? And I'm not just talking about the big ones, but even our small sins, the little things even that get in the way of our relationship with God. Just 40 days ago, on Ash Wednesday, as ashes were placed on our foreheads, you know, there's two things they can say, you know, and one of them is Tur- turn away from your sin and believe in the gospel. It really echoes back to the time of Christ. Right after the at Pentecost, Peter was out preaching and there were hundreds there. And when, when everybody heard the good news, they said, well, what do we need to do? And what did Peter say? He said, repent from your sins, um, believe in the gospel, and be baptized. The importance for us to engage our will now and to say, I want to turn away from my life of sin, and I want to turn toward God. Just recently, I heard something beautiful in the early church on Holy Saturday. What they would do, the catechumens, as they were coming into the church, they would begin by facing west. And west is like turning away from God. And what they would say to them is, is this. You know, do you reject sin? Of course, we say, I do. And all his empty promises, I do. They'd do that while they were facing west. And then they turn 180 80 degrees east toward the rising sun, toward Christ. And they'd say, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? It was symbolic of this turning away from a life of sin and turning toward God. And so are we turning away from our sin in this beautiful reality of God's love for us? Take time this weekend to reflect on the horror of sin, 
but also on the depth of God's love and pray for the grace to hate your sin. What's the better news? That Jesus died on the cross for us. This self-sacrificial love. Thomas Aquinas says that love is defined as willing the good for whom? For the other person. Oftentimes we think love is about this feeling that we get when we're with somebody that we care about. And love does engage the feelings. But if we just base love on feelings, what will happen? Even in the best of marriages, does your love ever change? Of course it does. It's like a roller coaster. And that's why we hear the phrase, I've fallen out of love. Thank God Jesus didn't fall out of love with us. He showed us what love is. John 15, 13, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. That's what love looks like. And so as we take time to reflect on the crucifix, it shows us what love is. And Jesus shows us the pattern. If you want to save your life, give it away. And at this liturgy, we're going to have the opportunity to reverence the cross. And when we go up to reverence the cross, it's, it's a sign of our own devotion to say, I want to follow your pattern of love. Yesterday, here at the cathedral, Bishop got on his knees and washed the feet of 12 parishioners here. And at the end, when Jesus did it, he said, Now as I have done, so now you must do. Go love your neighbor. Lay down your life for others. And we're also going to have the opportunity to receive the Eucharist that was consecrated at Mass on yesterday. The Eucharist is this pattern of life also. This is my body given up for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Good news, bad news, better news. And my friends, this calls for a response. When we encounter that kind of love, Jesus asks us, will you follow me? I think sometimes we, we've, as a church, we haven't invited a response from you enough. And so just like Jesus went to Matthew at the tax collector's post, just as he went to Peter and Andrew out, on the, out by the water, he said, come follow me. We have to make a conscious decision to say, yes, I'm in. Jesus, I want to be your disciple. Even if I don't know where this is going to lead, I want to follow you because I believe your way is the best way to live. There's no other way to go. And so he asks us, will you follow me? He tells us this isn't going to be easy. He says we're going to have to pick up our cross daily to follow him. But there's always new life. And we know that tomorrow night and Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. But for a moment, let's think about the ugliness of our sins. Let's think about the beauty of God's love. And let's think about what's my response. He stands before you right now and he calls you by name. And he says, come follow me. What's your response?